I won 150 races, um, three times world, three times Paroubet, three times Flanders, the worlds, two times World Cup, and other big races. So then it's difficult to make a choice. All right, you just heard him. The Lion of Flanders, Johan Museu, joins us today on Bobby and Jens. Okay, let's dive into it. We have the one, the only, Johan Museu with us today. Johan, welcome to Bobby and Jens. Hello, hello there. How is it? Man, I tell you, I'm having a bit of a fanboy moment here. Um, you were... When I came into the European Peloton in 95, uh, 96, I didn't get to race much with you, but uh, I remember one time in 1997 or 1998, I was on Cofidis and um, I had a sponsor from America named Shane Cooper, who had started in 1992, the company Defeat. Yeah, the sucks. And you were world champion. The socks, exactly. And you were world champion. And um, I, I I think I was just talking to you and I said, oh man, I bet you Shane could make you some good world champion socks. And a few months later, you um, you had world champion socks, thanks to old Shane Cooper there. But I remember I was so nervous talking to you. I was like, man, I'll do anything to talk to Johan. And here I am. It was before the cell phone days, so you couldn't just pass the contact, right? You had to like go back to the camper get a little piece of paper, write his information down and, and give it to you. So um, that was that was my fanboy moment. So it's just great having you on the pod, man. Um, yeah, let's start a little bit like what, what's going on now? I mean, you've been retired since 2004. I see that you're you're quite active. You're always riding. But um, what what's taking up your time these days? Um, yeah, bike, biking. Um, it's, it's, was, it's difficult to find a way after for everybody. Um, you say if you stay in cycling, it's easy because that's your cocoon. You know what you're doing. You know everybody. If you're staying, you, you pay every month and it, that's okay. But if you don't stay in, it's difficult to find a way for everybody, even for a, for a next champion. And it was also difficult for me uh, the first years to find something that, that you like, because that's, that's important after, if you stop, that you find something new that gives you also uh, yeah, motivation, patience. And yeah, I, I, was, I was in holiday with the bike company just, just for fun. And they asked me to, to join the people. And, and after a couple of days, I say, Man, I, I like this. Uh, maybe that's that's what I have to do in the future. So, and after uh, one year, I start my my own company, Museo Cycling Experience, and that's what I want to give the experience to the people. And it can be slow, it can be fast, it can be uphill, downhill, uh, bad weather, good weather, and in the evening, red wine, beer, and yeah, have fun and just experience. Um, yeah, during the day, so. People that like biking, uh, that's already something for me. Uh, even when it's slow, even when it's not so long. Um, yeah, that's that's still my life because inside my heart here, I still love cycling a lot. And it can be cycling for the moment, it can be even a pool, Philippe, 
Porsche Dakar, uh, and all the great riders now, but it can be also the time of Greg Lamont, uh, Fignon, Bernard Guénaud, uh, other big champions. So I have so much stories to, to tell to people, and people listen to me like it's, it's, it's unbelievable. So yeah, finally I have I have find the, the right way after that I stopped and it's still bike. So uh, yeah, it was the last two years was difficult with the problem that we have with the COVID and everything, but now uh, everything is activated again. So um, it starts again finally. So when you um, have your your uh, your museum of experience. Is it like only in Belgium or you go to the Alps, you go to Southern France with it, do you go to Italy or you go, no, nah, we just ride the couple classics all day long? Yeah. No, it, yeah. no, it starts here with the spring classics in, in Belgium and then uh, then I, I go to the UK, to Ireland, man, with Bradley Wiggins, Sir Wiggins, one week uh, over there. So that's with another company, but the... Uh, It doesn't matter. So, um, and yeah, I'm also working with other companies. So they invite me and then I bike with people and in the evening I tell stories. So that's, yeah, that, that's how it's work and that's what people like. And that's so, uh, yeah, for me, a lot of fun because I still love biking and I want to stay with people that love biking and stories from now and the past and the future. So that's that's what I'm doing now. And now during uh, the races, I do some interviews, television, podcasts. Sometimes my youngest son is also a rider uh, in a new team, Minerva team, and I'm a little bit advisor, advisor there uh, in that new team because I don't want to be a sport director. I don't want to be a manager. I want to stay more time at home. I want to say tomorrow I will bike three hours. Like this morning, I was free. I say I will do three hours and a half. That's it. I have nothing to do. Uh, I chose my way. I chose my agenda. And that's how I want to live now. Because uh, I live 18 years full gas as a professional. It was full gas. And yeah, You don't know that you live full gas. And after, if you stop, you say, fuck, man, I was terrible. I was over there and I was there and I was traveling and uh, races and yeah. And now I want to slow down and profit of, of, of life and family and everything and friends. And yeah, if you're too busy, you don't have the time to, to spend your life. That's what I'm. What that's what I'm thinking about uh, now, eh, friends. Uh, if we have to make the decision after, I have a friend with Peters, for example. He was still staying in Cyclans director, and he is always away and traveling and no time. And yeah, and he take kilos and he say I'm coming too fat. And yeah, I say Wilfried, you have to bike and you have to care of yourself. And yeah, he doesn't have time to do something about it because that's what. That's what he wants to do, and he is happy with that. So that's important in your life if you do something that you are happy with. Yeah, you got to stop and smell the roses, especially after how many years you were on the road, how much mud you had in your eyeballs. Um, but yeah, kind of on, on that note, being Belgian and obviously being a legend in Belgium, the Lion of Flanders. 
how did you get into cycling? What was your, was it always cycling or was it soccer or as you guys call it football? You know, we, we know your illustrious career, but back then, how did it start? What was the, the real click? Were you yeah. like a prodigy from day one or did you have to, to work hard? To begin, my father was also professional uh, a couple of years and my father was third in Amsterdam Gold Race and he was coming home and I was just born and there was final problems and he said, now I stop racing, tomorrow I go to work because uh, yeah, that was another generation. A contract was not a contract like now and it was different. But um, yeah, it, it, um, my father was professional and... Um, First, I was soccer player, football, how you say? Here it's football. Eh? And then I was starting as a soccer course man when, when I was, was young. So, um, yeah, I did a couple of years soccer course. And then later I start on road. So in my first race, I was immediately second. So, uh, and I was immediately in the national team. So I was a little bit surprised that I was in the national team and I have to take the airplane. It was the first time that I have to take the airplane. I was go to the airport in Brussels and I was nervous because it was the first time I have to take the airplane. And yeah, finally I was in the airplane and to get up was, was a surprise for me and to get down again. But then, then I did the tour of, of Austria. So it was, uh, yeah, it was 10 days. For me, it was totally new. 10 days racing. Um, yeah. So that was the beginning of my career. And three, no, two years later, I was I was professional in the team of uh, José de Cola. That was also the team of Greg Lamont because I have won the Tour de France with Greg Lamont. He was winning the Tour de France, but I was in the team. And yeah, that was the beginning of a, a successful uh, career because yeah, that moment I was nothing. I was yeah, I was domestic. In France, you call it a domestic. And when I moved to an Italian team, that was finally for me at another training, another group. And yeah, they say to me, you have to win a classic say yes i know but it's not so easy to win a classic you have to win the tour of flanders for us yes of course yeah why not uh, i know it was very difficult i was already one time second between edwig van oydonk and i was happy with the second place but you know second and third place that's nothing there's just one place that counts and that's the winner the winner takes it all so, and yeah, then finally you win once, once time the Tour of Flanders. And in Belgium, if you win Flanders, that means something. If you win two times, that means more. If you win three times, it's more. So, uh, yeah, um, I can tell, yeah, a lot of my career and, and, and stories, but that was that was that was the beginning. So I didn't know as as junior and as amateur that I will become uh, a champion because yeah, you don't know it. You don't know it that you can be a champion because 
yeah, you suffer and train a lot. and uh, But one day you are a champion and then that's the start of a career. Yeah. And now I'm a little bit older than, than, than the, but um, yeah, I have still the good memories in, in cycling and cycling was changed a lot the last years <clears throat> from my beginning. Because if, if, if I tell to, to people that I have racing with normal pedals, then they look to me and say, how old you are? <laughs> I say, yes, I have racing with, uh, as professional with, with the normal pedals, with the rims, with the Alfredo mm -hmm. Binda rims, you know? Yes, I had them as well. Not as a pro, but as an amateur. Yeah. Yes, I remember them. Yeah. So, and yeah, if you, if you say that to young people, that say, yeah, how old you are? And uh, so, uh, Johan, when you were coming out of the juniors and become an amateur or a young professional and you had your first success, in Belgium, it seems like every young Belgian rider who starts winning, the whole entire Belgian press goes, this is the new Eddie Merckx. Every time. I see it every two or three years. It happened now with Evenepoel. Did they call you the new Eddie Merckx as well? Not, not, not in that generation because um, that was the yeah the media was not so hard and so strong on that moment. Uh, no, uh, it's 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 harder. It's more and yeah, Belgium. It's a cycling uh, history, and if we have a new champion with with talent, then we then they call it ability the new max. But it's difficult to say to a young rider, you are the new max. Today, Eddie Merckx have said to Pochakar, you are the, this is the new Eddie Merckx. So if Eddie Merckx say in the newspaper, this is the new Eddie Merckx, that, that mm -hmm. means something. But yeah, for the moment, even if we have a lot of pressures on, 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 on everything, and yeah, that's also the fault of the media. And yeah. That's Belgium. Eh? We have we we are so small and yeah, we look to each other and we have so many history and champions that we want every year year big champions. And we have still big champions like Wout van Aert, but yeah, to win the Tour de France that's different because now they say that Wout van Aert will win one day the Tour de France. You guys know both what it is to win the Tour de France. It's not so easy to, to do it and to say to some rider, you will win the Tour de France on one day. Because it's one of the biggest, hardest races ever in the world. And Well, well let's stay there for a second, because I, I really need to ask you about 1989. You know, you... Greg LeMond was on your team, the ADR Agrigel Botechia team, and everyone on the team, other than himself, I believe, was Belgian. And he didn't have the 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 stellar uh, trains that we see these days. But I remember him telling me a story that I believe he won. And yourself and only two other teammates actually finished the race. What were some of the memories of that? I mean, you were you were there, like there there, 
when one of the most exciting Tour de France finishes ever happened. But you were the one, and it got less and less. I think the teams back then were nine, maybe even ten, and you only finished with four. So, like, you saw it from start to finish all the way through. You had to do a lot of work when you could. But what are what are some of your memories of that? Because it's, you know, you being this massive cobble classic champion kind of cut your teeth, like, working for my hero when I first started racing, Greg Lamont. Yeah, yeah. That was my second year as professional. So, I was still young and no, ex- no experience and... Yeah, uh, I was Mr. Nobody. And then you have to do the Tour de France for the for the first time in your life. And uh, you don't know what it is, Tour de France. Yeah, as a young rider, you're so excited to, to do it. And yeah, but every day it's it's hard and harder and harder and harder. I remember one stage that, uh, that I can say, and also Greg will say it to you, um, that I that we won together the Tour de France and that was the, 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 the stage to Marseille and there, there was a lot of crosswind and it was 14 July I think it was uh, national uh, holidays or something like that I don't know what Bastille yeah, Day yeah, in France yeah. and the France guy was say, oh today no race and relax and all that I say crosswind today. We have to be careful. And yeah, after thirty k, bam, crosswind, and and the breakaway was Laurent Fignon and Charlie Moser. Dear, very you know good riders. Guys? Of course, and, I know them. Yeah, very, <laughs> very, very, very good riders. And behind, we are with twenty riders: me, Greg Clermont, and all the PDM formation: Alcala, Rooks. Tunison, uh, all the good riders. And yeah, that two guys, they take two minutes from us. And Chosy the Cole was coming to me with his car eh? in open eh? because it wasn't electric. You have to do like this eh? and <laughs> open it. He said, You, you oh, didn't huh? just call him over the radio? We didn't have radio. <laughs> we didn't have radio. <laughs> um, he said, Johan. Close the gap. I looked at him. I said, see, you know who is in the front? Fignon Moté. I, I can't close that. Close the gap. I have done, I think, 80K chasing just me alone to close the gap. To Laurent, Fignon and Charlie Moté. And yeah, that was really something great because I was young and nobody knows me and uh, and finally, I, I closed the gap. And in that moment, Vincent Barthou was attacking from the left side. I say, maybe I go with him. I go with him. And I go with him. And that moment, José de Co was coming again to me. I say, yo, and you have to stay with Greg. I go behind in the group. And you know who won the stage? Vincent Barthou was winning the stage. So in the evening, my 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 daddy was calling to me. He say, Johan, stupid boy, why you didn't stay when his wheel? You can win the race. Maybe one time in your life you can win a Tour de France stage. I say, Daddy, yeah, you're correct, but José de Cor asked me to stay with uh, with Greg Lemont. So that day, I, I I can't say I have uh, yeah 
we have won the Tour de France because otherwise you have to take maybe two minutes. But nobody knows the last the last stage at the Champs Elysees. It was a time trial, and nobody knows. I know that Greg Lemont will start with the triathlon bars. So uh, that was in the truck. But um, yo, Johan, when you talked about this day, was that maybe the strongest performance in your entire career? I mean, you had a lot of great success and wins. But on that day, were you maybe the strongest ever in your career? I mean, to close the gap to Fignon and Charlie Morte in the Tour de France, not in like a little chemist race, in a real stage of the Tour de France. You must have had a really strong day that time. Yeah, yeah, I, I was, yeah, that, that's true. I was young. I, I didn't know anything about Tour de France. And we didn't know that, that Greg Lewon, that, uh, that Lemont will win the Tour de France eh, at the end of the Tour. But yeah, after you can say, okay, um, that stage was, was very important that, that I closed the gap. And if I talk now to, I saw Greg uh, last year at the World here in Belgium. And he was talking about that stage. So it gives still good memories if we are together. So I was young. Uh, I was surprised that I closed the gap. But yeah, for me, it may be one of the, yeah, let, let me say top five. I have done other things also. Eh? I have done <laughs> yeah. a breakaway of 50k and in, in, in Roubaix solo. That's also something special. But uh, yeah. In the beginning of my career, was that something great? Uh, close the gap to Roland Fillon and Charlie Motet because there were two engines. They were going. They go full gas. Everyone knew your name after that day, that's for sure. And then uh, the last uh, final stage, Greg Lemont won. Uh, yeah, with a couple seconds for uh, Fillon, and I was already in the hotel. And Concorde Lafayette, you know, guys, how that is, Concorde Lafayette. All the teams are there. And I have done the time trial, eh? the last the last one, because I was very tired and I was off. And I go to my room. I, I think I was on the... It was high, I don't remember. And um, I got in, television, and I saw... Girl suspense, girl suspense, and my friends wasn't wasn't so good that moment. But I, I understand that was girl suspense. And I look television. I say, no, he will win Tour de France. And finally, we won the Tour de France. So even me was surprised, and I say, yeah. And the first thing that I have done in my suitcase, I have the the price list. <laughs> you know the price list, eh? and I have I have all done the day before the calcul, and it was it was okay the money, but the money was really more than the double, and that was important for me because I was young and yeah, I I need the the money. I say yes, and I saw a small bottle of champagne in my room, worth for cool, and I say okay. I have good money. I can drink this small bottle of after. That's the story of uh, the end of the Tour de France. And it's, it's, 
it's still good memories as 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 a rider and if you're coming older to 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 call over to say that that story is because you are young i don't know nothing about life and you say yes we want to tour to france we drink a bottle a small bottle of champagne and then we go home and in the evening we went to the Moulin Rouge with Greg Clement and Johan Lammerts was there. Me and René Martens, four guys, just four guys. So that's me. We have to split the money and, and three because Greg wasn't, uh, he said, I don't need the money. You split it in three. But I, if you ask how much it was, I don't remember it. I can't imagine that. I remember exactly where I was when he won. I was in a uh, an airport coming back from the Olympic Festival when I was a junior. So I can't imagine what it was like sitting up in that uh, that hotel. Back then, it was probably a little bit nicer than it is now. I, the Concorde Lafayette kind of went, went downhill um, towards the end of my career. But, you know, you, you that was obviously, like you said, one of your top five. And... You know, you won three times Paris-Roubaix, three times Flanders. You won the world championships. Um, I got to race against you on that day in 1996. And I remember that being one of the hardest races I ever did. Um, you know, race after race on the Cobble Classics, you know, you had, to say the least, massive success. But you also had your fair share of near, near misses. Like you said, like, you know, you lose the sprint and you get second and that means nothing to, to someone like you. But what were some of the the hard parts of cycling? Because obviously you were a mega star of the Peloton, a patron of the Peloton, uh, something that I think we're lacking a little bit these days. But you put your, your pants on one leg at a time as well. You had your fair share of crashes, your fair share of near misses. What were some of the lessons, not from the good times, but from those, the struggle bus times or the injury times that, that really kind of stand out to you? I mean, there's one obvious one when, when you hurt your knee, but um, what is it like having to that pressure to win all the time? And like you said, second and third place not really mattering. Second place is nothing because I was one time second and third in Milan Sarimo, the race for the next next Saturday. And yeah, every year I tried to win San Remo, but it was always second, third, third, five, six, and finally you don't win. And that's mean that race is, is so difficult to win, even for Sagan, even for Bonen. Both two great riders, but they didn't win Milan Sanremo. And then we're talking about the the bad side of of life, eh? the the crashes, the injuries, and everything. Um, yeah, two times it was very critical with me, and that was if I crashed in Rube uh, with an open knee injury. Um, the problem was there that I uh, that they have Hank Green. It's, I say it correct, Hank Green. That's it's correct English. Gangrene. Gangrene. Yep. Gangrene. So that yep. that was the problem I had and green because I, I have crashed and 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 the shit of a horse and that was that was the problem and they close it and yeah that was and green so I have to fight two weeks for uh, for and green and not amputate the leg so and then then after you have uh, a couple months of uh, revalidation and then. 
Two years later, you win again, Paris-Rube. So, and then two years later, I have a motor accident the day before uh, I went, I get out for the Olympics in Sydney. And yeah, it was a beautiful day. And I say, okay, I go one hour with the bike because tomorrow I have to leave for three weeks for the Olympics. One hour fun. Yeah. After one kilometer, a car come behind and bam, behind me. And I was eight days in comb. So no Olympics. Again, as a hard revalidation. So uh, I know what it is uh, to be here and to stay here because it was changing a lot also my life after because, um, yeah, um, um, before I was, I, I was different before because now I know what it is to be here, to profit and to, to have, yeah, to have a good life. And it can be tomorrow over like this for everybody. So we have to profit every day, every hour. It can be from a coffee. It can be from the bike. It can be from everything, but yeah, we have to profit because tomorrow it can be over. And that's how I'm life after the two more difficult parts in my life. But not always I want to talk about that because I want to stay positive and just thinking about happy things and good things. And that was not a good moment in, in my life. Let's go straight to the good moments. What would you think? What was the highlight of your career? A certain win or a friend winning? What would you say is the moment where you go, this, it doesn't have to be a win, but the moment you go, hey, this is where I was the most proud or where I most enjoyed the cycling. What, what, what would that be? One or two maybe examples, one or two moments? I say always it's it's easy to to answer that question if you doesn't win one a lot of races. I won 150 races. Um, three times World, three times Perubet, three times Flanders, the World, two times World Cup, and other big races. So then it's difficult to make a choice. But um, I say always the same. Um, to be a world champion, it's something special. And it's very special to, to wear a whole year that special jersey. It gives you a, a special feeling. It's... Um, It's like you, you, yeah, you have a more respect from from everybody. Um, yeah, it's the, the way go open for you. It's it's totally different uh, as as a world champion. So, yeah, it's it was that was a special year to to wear that jersey and always with number one. If you, the rider prepared always the day before his jersey with his numbers. Eh? on his room and if you wake up you see every morning that jersey with number one so that's already a good wake up um, but the year that I won again Robert, after that I have the the crash that was also a special feeling so that was the moment that I gave the sign to the knee on the velodrome in Roubaix and 
nobody was know what I want to sign because that was a sign to the people that was were helping me to come back. And that was really a good moment. And yeah, another moment. Mm. I think they are pretty good moments. Being world champion, winning Roubaix after a long time to come back. They are pretty good moments. I think we, I can go with them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah. Also, if, if you win as a sprinter at the Champs-Élysées, it's also something special. So, yeah. As what I say, I have so moments. It, it's easy if you just win one Flanders, then you say Flanders. But if you win too much, what is too much? It's not too much, but a lot, then it's uh, more difficult to make the choice. If you want to get more out of your free time, sign up to Outside Plus. For less than a dollar a week, you can get six print and digital issues of Peloton magazine, exclusive membership content from Bellenews.com, access all the premium content from the whole outside family, including yoga journal, backpacker, ski, outside magazine, and many others. And that's not all. There are discounts of the hottest gear and biggest events, access to Gaia, GPS, and trail forks, as well as virtual health and fitness courses. It's $350 of value in one $99 annual subscription. But if you head to valuenews.com forward slash outside plus and enter BJPOD25, all one word, lowercase, at checkout, you will receive our special 25% discount and make a good deal. Great. And now back to our chat with Johan. Yeah, I don't have that problem. Uh, I can name my top three pretty quickly. But Johan, with the classic season upon us, we're obligated to pick your brain a little bit. So can you give us a little example of your preseason spring buildup for your your ons the onslaught of your classics campaign campaign, and then let's talk a little bit about the season this year and the new generation and what they have to deal with because, you know, it used to be kind of the same exact buildup, and now you've got races in between Milan San Remo and and Flanders. You've got you know races in between Flanders and and Roubaix. But like, what was your classic run-up to when you said, okay, I'm going to hit the, the, the spring classics as my number one objective? What was your thought process or your phase plan building up to, to the, the most important couple months of the season for you? Oh, that, that was for almost this, the same after a couple of years. I was always starting in December, one month training in Spain. Because I was a little bit the, the first man that I go to, to, to Spain one month, stay there, train hard, long distance training, because my, my, my generation was long distance training. That was four hours, the next day five, five hours, the next day six hours. Then recovery day, and again, and again, and again, and again. So I did it one month. And yeah, then you're already okay. Then you get home for a... 
for Christmas and the end of the year. And then you have your first, uh, yeah. Then, then was always starting with Ruta del Sol for me. I did always Ruta del Sol. That was my first competition race. And yeah, then you feel immediately if it's okay or not okay. And then it was Louverture here, Omelop at Folk. And then we have the choice to do Paris-Nice or Tirreno. My prefer was Tirreno. And then we start with Milan san Remo. Then we have Wargem. Then we have Idripreis, Brabantspel, Three Tours of the Pen, Tour of Flanders, Gent-Wilverham, Paris-Roubaix. Once I won a drip race, I won Brabant, I won the three days, and I won the Tour of Flanders. That was probably a very good year, I guess, <laughs> because I didn't win. The, yeah, I didn't that, win that, one of them. That was yeah. a good year, but yeah, the the now it's it's totally different. Uh, Wevelgem is on Sunday now. Uh, for us, it was a midweek race. It was between Flanders and Roubaix, so. I I didn't have one get Wilhelm and maybe that was the reason it was a midweek race. Uh, you recover or not recover and you was doing the race but you were already thinking about Roubaix for Sunday because yeah Roubaix was a higher level than get Wilhelm. I was one second and one time third and yeah but uh, as I say the be the second that's not that's nothing it's just one place to count and i have just run race i didn't won in the beginning of the year of the spring classic and that can't be but if i'm together with nico matan and wilfried peters then i say we guys we won both eh? every classics in the spring because they guys won can't be and i won all the rest so, Johan, for these young kids, for the classics coming up, what do you think will be their strategy for the Couplestone classics? To wait, wait, or go out early? What, what do you think is different today? The weather seems to be a lot better these days. In the last years, we didn't have too much rain at Roubaix or Flanders. What do you think is the key point for this generation at the upcoming classics? Be aggressive, go out there with the team, or wait and hide and only attack at the last moment. Oh, that new generation—they, uh, I, I'm—they not always thinking when they have to attack or when they have to go because, uh, like Van der Poel, Van Aert, and or also Pong Pochakar, um, they are so big riders and they are so strong and they. I have the expression they don't think about how they have to do the race because they're feeling so good and, and they don't wait for the good moment. And yeah, sometimes they win, but sometimes also they, they lose uh, the race and they just have to start to, for, to win the race because if you're a champion, you have to win every year a big, a big race. And yeah, it's racing is a little bit different than, than my generation with it also with, with power meters and now they coming without competition and they are ready to win. So um, yeah, they go a lot in altitude training, they train a lot, they suffer a lot. So it's it's totally different than, than in my generation. And uh, yeah, they're going hard, they're going fast and 
they have, I think, a better preparation than we have. Uh, there is more money now in cycling. Um, there is more research in cycling. The material is better now. The clothing is better. Everything is better. And there is all research, research, research. So they they make always the athletes better and better and better. Yeah, that, that's how it's work now with power meters. So power meter is great, but it's not all. So um yeah, there's a, a big difference in, in generations, the way the guys are preparing the races these days. But but hey, I am going to come over for the uh, the Flanders Fondo. I told you about this a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, I am not very experienced riding the cobbles. And I think a lot of our listeners would really enjoy, myself included, so that I can, you know, represent a 50-year-old non-cobbled riding rider when I'm over there. Give us a little bit of tips of how to ride the cobbles or maybe how not to ride the cobbles because I'm going to need every single advantage I can get because I'm going over with George Hincapi, who, as you know, was was quite the uh, the classic specialist like yourself. So yeah. brass tacks, what, how do we ride the cobbles? How does Johan Museu want us to ride the cobbles if he was behind us in a car um yeah it's 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 difficult to explain it like that it's it's easy to explain if if i'm on the bike but it starts with the pressure and in, in, inside so if you get if you go in you go with start on the cobbles with eight kilo that, that that's too much so um now you have to start with tubeless so maybe five and a half even six kilo even so and 28 diameter so now you have more comfort more more comfort so and yeah i say always you have to push your body a little bit behind so give the pressure behind don't go in the front and give give the bike a little bit more behind so it's it's difficult to explain uh, on 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 on. It's easier to to explain it on 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 the bike with with people if I get out with with the clients and then then I can explain it and show it on the bike. So, um, but yeah, I think you are born as a classic rider or a cobblestone rider. Um, but sometimes you see riders like like Sagan. He is big champion, big champion, but yeah, he is not not really a specialist on the cobblestones because he always go in the front and you have to go behind on the cobblestones. Uh, like a rider like Tom Bone and Cancellara, they have the long legs and they move the the body behind and yeah, it's 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 difficult to explain. So I, I say to the people, come over to Belgium. It's so beautiful area, so beautiful cobblestones that we have. And we ride together and I explain it to everybody. Okay, so I took the note of the, the pressure and the diameter of the tire. My biggest thing is hand position. Is it a loose grip on the handlebars? Is it a stiff grip? Are you on the tops of the bars, the hoods, the drops? Um, 
little 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 tip here. I'd really appreciate it because I want to uh, you know it's, not look like a it's total. The meaning of the position from each riders, riders or uh, on the shift on the shifters, other riders take it in the middle of the handlebar. So, uh, but don't don't yeah. Let the bike jumping and jumping and jumping. So it's better you you let the bike rolling and let him go where he he wants to go. Uh, if you are too stiff in the handlebars, then that's that's not okay. So, but um, again, it's easy to say, and people people are always a little bit nervous to to do it. But let let jumping the bike where he wants to jump especially in Ruben. and would you say it's better to stay you know the roads are they have that little curve would you say it's better and safer yeah. to stay right in the middle of the cobblestone section or you think you're better on the sides a little bit further down when it's wet it's it's better to stay mm -hmm. yes, there yes yes because yeah, i because, did it yeah. uh, in the rain yes i remember that yeah so when it's when it's dry Then you go to the right or the left side, and yeah, then then you go a little bit behind from the cobblestones. But yeah, I always prefer to to stay over there and to go in the in the middle, and especially Roubaix, you have to stay always in the middle. And but yeah, sometimes you follow other riders and you you go like that. But yeah. I prefer a wet wet Roubaix, and then you have to stay always mm -hmm. in the middle. Oh boy. Well, I'm gonna like I said, I took these notes. I'll see you over there in the day before Flanders. We're gonna do the the 140k segment because what's the other one? 260? Um that's from Antwerp. Yeah. That's the long one. I don't think I can stay on the bike that long anymore. But uh Johan, it was an absolute honor and a pleasure to have you on our podcast today we wish you the best of luck with the the bike tour group and um yeah if you see me on the side of the road i will have or at the start line of the flanders fondo i will have 5.5 bar in my in my tires with 28 millimeter and i'm going to have a nice soft grip on the handlebars sitting back in the saddle a little bit staying in the middle of the road okay And it was great to see you back, uh, some young, old colleagues, eh? because we have raced together. And if we say to each other that time, we will speak to each other on the mobile phone, then we will say, you are crazy, man. But now we do it. So we do everything with uh, our iPhone. So it was great for me to see you back and to see that everything is okay with you and that you still love the bike. So, uh, yeah, we will see each other on the Tour of France Grand Fondo. That's a good plan, Johan. Well, that's all our time for this week. Huge thanks to Johan for being our guest. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please give us a five-star review and make sure to share us with your friends. The show was a Valley News production in association with Shock GRF. The producer was Mark Payne and this episode was edited by Tim Mosser. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bobby and Jens and share your cycling stories with us.